We wanted to find a way to optimize training for our sales reps before they got in front of their valued high-level customers. So we piloted a VR solution. These role plays were recorded and shared with the reps managers who use them to determine whether the colleague should be enrolled in further training, either at the basic, intermediate, or advanced level. It enabled our reps to really immerse themselves in a lifelike scenario, kind of see what a customer, how they might react to their different sales techniques. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm Meredith Bodgis. My guest today is Dan Dominich, Chief Human Resources Officer of HPE Financial Services, where he specializes in building talent pipelines and leadership capability while creating passionate, forward-leaning cultures. Before joining HPE, Dan held leadership positions at Johnson & Johnson and American Express. He's a graduate of Cornell University, where he is VP of the Latino Alumni Association, and he holds an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. It's great to have you, Dan. Uh, It's great to be here, Meredith. Well, first, walk us through your journey to becoming CHRO of HPE Financial Services. I started my career on General Electric's HR development program, and kind of off we went. I was put on various succession plans outside of HR, but I was always having too much fun to stray from the field. But I ended up spending about 10 years in industrial manufacturing, 10 years in healthcare, most notably with Johnson & Johnson, and about 10 years in financial services with American Express and information technology with Dun & Bradstreet and now Hewlett Packard Enterprise. So I've had opportunities to lead talent, uh, total rewards, uh, organizational development, but mostly I've enjoyed being an HR business partner. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise is doing some really cool things lately. I love reading about it all on LinkedIn, and I'm very excited to talk to you about it today. One of those is how HPE is using virtual reality to hone workers' soft skills. So my first question is, why is building up those soft skills so crucial? And then as a fast follow-up, how are you using virtual reality to develop those soft skills? I think, Meredith, today's companies are facing a growing soft skills gap. There have been recent studies that found almost 60% of hiring managers and almost 90% of executives report difficulty right? Recruiting candidates with the requisite soft skills like communication, teamwork, and leadership. And these soft skills are only becoming more essential, right? And more difficult, right? To develop as the pandemic has pushed people into temporary or in many cases, permanent remote work. So, you know, without the same kind of access we had before to in-person training and education, you know, we certainly at HPE Financial Services have brainstormed what can we do to help colleagues develop these vital skills. So to your point, Meredith, one promising solution is virtual reality. 
And for us, we realized that VR could really help our managers to evaluate employees' uh, current skills, understand what their true competencies are, and help them to more effectively allocate resources that match job skills with the profiles. One example of this is we wanted to find a way to optimize training for our sales reps before they got in front of their valued high-level customers. So we piloted a VR solution. These role plays were recorded and shared with the reps managers who use them to determine whether the colleague should be enrolled in further training, either at the basic, intermediate, or advanced level. It enabled our reps to really immerse themselves in a lifelike scenario, kind of see what a customer, how they might react to their different sales techniques. And so, for example, if a sales rep didn't talk enough in terms of probing questions with a customer avatar, the avatar would stop engaging with the sales rep and start answering emails on the phone, just like a human would. And then the managers could review this practice and work with the uh, colleagues to identify areas for improvement instead of waiting you know, to hear negative feedback from real unhappy customers. So the VR program provided our colleagues with improved training and offered managers improved visibility into their sales reps' current capabilities and opportunities for growth. That is so interesting. How is it going? Are you rolling it out to other areas of the organization? And what are your future plans for using virtual reality in trainings and other talent-centric initiatives? Yeah, it's a great question, Meredith. You know, at this point, we have limited it to working with our sales reps. But, you know, we've recently launched new messaging for HPE Financial Services, where we help our customers uh, drive their transformation by giving them the uh, capability to build investment capacity. As we go with that messaging more broadly, using this kind of technology with all of our colleagues versus just sales is, is an op- opportunity doing simulations for customer service colleagues or what we call service excellence colleagues, helping people develop presentation skills. I mean, these are some of the other areas that we are considering pursuing. And tell me about the nitty gritty here. Are you sending virtual reality goggles to these employees' homes or are you using a partner who is creating the virtual reality technology specifically for HPE? If another company wants to use virtual reality to develop their employees' skills, how would they go about it? Yeah, we've partnered with Mersion, right? They're uh, the, the group that has helped us with this avatar capability and we provide our colleagues with the tools so that they can conduct this interaction with the avatars. We're absolutely looking at how we can use goggles and other mechanisms to simulate some of these different interactions as we move forward. Are there other ways that companies should consider using virtual reality for developing their talent? I think simulating these critical relationships and interactions, whether it's with customers, whether it's with uh, colleagues, whether it's uh, presenting to key stakeholders, inside or outside of the company. I mean, to me, you know, these are some of the best opportunities. I've also seen companies do a great job using it as part of a skills training as if they were in in difficult crisis situations. How would they react? What would they do such that when the real thing happens, they're prepared? And, you know, from some of the simulations I've seen, they are eerily real in how it's uh, portrayed. And so you'll have the same kind of emotive reaction stress as if it were the real thing. And it just absolutely better prepares you for that kind of difficult situation. 
So I imagine in the moment that's very stressful and emotions are high, but nothing can beat that kind of preparation for when the real thing inevitably, unfortunately happens. So I'm thrilled to hear that that kind of preparation is happening now. When HPE hires, are you looking for candidates with soft skills that are already well-developed, or are you looking more for the ability for them to be trained, and why? Well, as you might have guessed, Meredith, it's both, right? For example, it can be quite efficient to buy the skills you need, right, versus having to build them. So when we look at candidates, we're assessing for sure whether they have the skills that coincide with the skills we need such as being part of a team of leaders or acting as a business owner, you know, having that entrepreneurial mindset or being a trusted advisor to customers. But we also look perhaps more so than all the other skills for growth mindset. Are they willing to continuously learn and teach with relentless curiosity and enthusiasm? Are they comfortable with being uncomfortable? Are they fueling innovation and improvement with passion? So, you know, having the skills already that we look for is critical, but even more so having the growth mindset to be open to new ways of thinking and new ideas and learning and growing continuously. If you're willing to spill your secrets, how are you assessing whether a candidate has that growth mindset that's so critical to success at HPE? Nothing earth shattering in that regard. I mean, it's training our hiring managers to be aware of what growth mindset is and isn't, right? So it's educating our leaders on what it really looks like and then them asking, you know, behavioral based questions to understand whether someone has shown that propensity to to have a growth mindset. And as the workplace goes increasingly virtual, or I should say stays virtual, what role will growth mindset and the other soft skills that you mentioned before play in candidate success? We've been obsessed with thinking through what we're calling the post-pandemic colleague experience. And a huge part of that is our edge to office hybrid work approach, as we call it. So before, approximately two-thirds of our colleagues worked in the office, and now it'll be the exact opposite, right? So as we speak, we're implementing a process to provide our teams with the resources they need to align on how they'll work together in this new hybrid post-pandemic environment. What is their working style? What are their team norms? What are their communication commitments? How are they going to use the space that some will be in every day as an office worker and only others just a couple days a week as edge employees? And growth mindset to your question is so critical in this because there really isn't a playbook, right, for how to work in this next normal. So constantly learning as we go. You know, when we started thinking about this, we said we want our folks to be 100% ready to come back to the office and work in this new environment. And we know there's no way that's going to be possible. We're going to have to continuously learn and adapt and be agile as we start to live into that reality. Tell me about those who have worked remotely through the pandemic. It sounds like they will be able to continue to do so. How are you figuring out who comes back and who can stay remote? Those in our technology renewal centers, you know, have been what we've called our essential workers through the pandemic, meeting critical customer needs all of that time. While as the majority of other roles in the organization, we've been able to have work remotely. But as we come out of the pandemic, 
we've realized that there will be other roles that uh, would be best suited to be in the working environment and other roles that we know can be just as productive, if not more so, working at the edge. So we've really tried to have a role-based approach to, to where someone will be working the majority of their time. The other thing that I think is worth noting is that, you know, we have said, at least at this point, for sure, employees have the ability to volunteer to come back. We're not going to force anyone to come back unless they're comfortable. And our employees' health and safety is the most critical factor here, right? So that comes first, and then figuring out how we best work as we move into the future. For those who are returning to the office, is the workplace going to look different beyond just safety measures? Are there reconfigurations happening to allow more hybrid work for colleagues who are there to better communicate with their colleagues who aren't there? Absolutely. Our global real estate team has been doing tremendous work to think about how do we create more collaboration and innovation space? How do we have more of an open environment yet provide space for folks that need quiet time? We've been doing a lot of great work to redesign our facilities such that it'll best meet the needs of the organization as we come back to work or back to the office. And in terms of the culture, HPE Financial Services especially has such a rich culture. How are you maintaining that in this hybrid era with some colleagues in the office and most at home? Part of that is defining, you know, what is the culture that we want to drive and embrace as we go through these times. And what's really great is, you know, there are a couple of key principles that we've put in place as we talk about what this culture should look like. We know for sure that we want people to feel as though they belong. We know we want people to feel as that they're part of something great. We want people to feel as though their voice has been heard. We want people to know that we're going to do everything we can to help them to meet the goals of the business and delight our customer. So we've been reinforcing these kinds of elements to our culture with our folks, along with some of the attributes we've been talking about in HPE financial services around some of the things I mentioned before, growth mindset, team of leaders, being trusted advisors, being business owners, right? So we reinforce some of the attributes we expect our people to live with, as well as reminding them of you know, our winning aspiration to advance the way people live and work. I think it's so wonderful that you and your team are allowing your employees to make the decision about where they work going forward. Because as I'm sure you're reading, that's not the case with every company. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that? What do companies stand to lose if they don't give their workforce the choice on whether or not they stay remote? I think it's critical for companies to be thinking about, you know, what are the types of roles that are best suited to be in the office every day? And what are roles where it's okay to be at the edge? It's uh, okay to be working remotely. There's still ample opportunity to collaborate and innovate in the office, right? I mean, we are saying that if you're at the edge, it doesn't mean you never come to the office, right? It, it means that you're going to work with your team to determine the best time to come in and collaborate and innovate. So I think, you know, uh, it was uh, Google, right, that mentioned that uh, their approach to return to work uh, or return to the office is a choice and flexibility. 
So, you know, I think it needs to be a balance between determining when uh, what roles need to be in the office, but also giving teams the flexibility to determine how they're going to work together as they move forward. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. You proudly tout on your LinkedIn profile the many ways that HPE is committed to advancing women. Tell us about how HPE is doing this and why this is personally important to you. Yeah, well, one of the things I love, one of the many things I love about HPE is that inclusion and diversity is more than just a check the box activity. Unconditional inclusion is a business imperative. When people feel respected, involved, valued, and connected every day, they're able to be their best selves at work. And we believe that everyone, uh, regardless uh, of gender and all the other elements of diversity we talk about, should be given equal opportunities to pursue and obtain the career experiences they want and need. And we understand that for this to be the case, we have to foster an inclusive, supportive environment for all. Uh, So we work to inspire a culture that continually strives for better workplace equality. We're proud of the efforts and that our inclusive culture is reflected in many ways. It's reflected in our 100% score in the Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equality Index in 2020, in Bloomberg's Gender Equality Index for 2020, recognizing that HPE promotes gender equality. We've also been recognized by the National Association for Female Executives for being one of the top companies for women to work for. And, And we do it by supporting women and moving to more senior roles through leadership trainings, mentoring, sponsorship world-class company benefits that have been recognized and the involvement of our CEO himself, Antonio Neri. So, you know, while we're thrilled to have these honors, uh, there's still work to be done, Meredith, for sure. And we must continue to be a force for good in creating equality for all. And this is important to me personally because it absolutely aligns to my, my personal value system. And speaking of personal values, you are a proud father of five children. Wow. (laughs) As a mom of two, wow, kudos. Tell me about how that influences your work and the values that you bring to the workplace. Well, two is a lot of kids, by the way. I want to make sure, Meredith, you know that. But um, I think of the days of keeping work and life separate are long gone, right? You know, we all strive for purpose, both in our work and in our lives. So when HPE talks about advancing the way people live and work, I'm inspired to do that not only for our current customers, but I think about how we can do that for my children over time. Are there any talent-centric initiatives coming up that you would want to tell our audience about? It's a great question. I I think this defining what our post-pandemic colleague experience looks like is what I think most of my colleagues would be working towards. Some of the ways we're trying to do that, and we're going to absolutely learn as we go. I love the fact that we are spending more and more time thinking about our talent, you know, and what we can be doing to better help them establish bold goals aligned to the company's strategy and mission, ruthlessly prioritize uh, so that they're focused on the right things. We're enhancing the skills of our leaders to help our employees with their development plans. Like most companies, the majority of the time uh, people leave, 
a company is because of the real or perceived lack of career opportunity. So we're spending a lot of time, again, helping managers to be more comfortable having those career dialogues. So that's clearly a critical focus area for us. We continue to be incredibly focused on inclusion and diversity, thinking about how we can build inclusivity, equality, community in our organization. So yeah, those are the the, the big areas that we're, we're focused on, Meredith. There are two things you just brought up that I hope we can dive a little bit more deeply into. And one of them is setting bold goals. What is a bold goal? Why is it important to have bold goals? And how are you making sure that employees are setting bold goals? Antonio always talks about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Part of what we've really been trying to drive in the culture is the ability to fail fast and learn and really push for better, you know, as one of our HPE cultural attributes. So with a bold goal, the idea is, again, you're getting clarity on the strategy of the organization. You know, in our case, we're pivoting, right, to be the edge to cloud platform as a service company, as Antonio talks about. What is it that you do in your role that can align to driving that strategy? How do you push yourself to not sandbag, right, but put goals in place that will stretch yourself and help stretch the organization toward not only um, meeting, but beating the competition in what we're trying to achieve. So that's what bold goals are all about. We try to make sure there are not too many of them so that we're not focused So we want to make sure there's a continuous dialogue between a leader and the employee around those bold goals so that there's continuous feedback, there's opportunity for course correction, development, and innovative ways to achieve the goal. And the second thing I wanted to ask about was the fact that people are leaving their companies because they feel there are no career opportunities. And you are making sure that managers are trained to make sure that their employees feel that there are career opportunities. So how are you training managers to talk about career development when it can be a little funny to talk about because sometimes it means leaving a team? You make two great points. First of all, I think many leaders are uncomfortable having a career dialogue because if someone's aspiration includes something outside of their own team, a manager may not know that they have the ability to answer or support the person in that aspiration. But nonetheless, those conversations have to happen. Leaders need to be willing to understand and talk to their team members about their aspiration, even if it involves leaving the team. And then, as you've seen in some of the research, the leader needs to be a connector, right? They don't need to have all the answers necessarily, but can they help the employee to understand how to achieve their aspiration, you know, who they need to connect with, what might be some of the skills that they need to acquire, which would be maybe helpful not only in their current role, but but in the future, right? Those are the conversations that, you know, we need for leaders to be having uh, with their team members. And once you figure out exactly what you want from a post-COVID workplace, what do you think you'll be doing in terms of going into the office or staying home? What are you thinking your plans will be? Yeah, well, I have been deemed for the first time in my career to be an edge employee, right? So primarily working remotely. But I'm excited to be getting, like many people, I think, back to the office in person a few days a week, again, to share best practices and collaborate and, and develop relationships and innovate. I also appreciate that there are some benefits, right, to not uh, having a commute and having a little bit extra time for whether it's uh, getting additional work done or uh, getting my morning workout in or my meditation time. 
I understand that HPE Financial Services and perhaps HPE as the whole company is offering Wellness Fridays throughout the summer. Tell me about what Wellness Fridays are and why they are crucial for the company's success. Traditionally, we've had basically uh, a week uh, or a Friday a month for uh, several hours for folks to really focus on what they best need to do to stay well, right? It can be just taking some time off. It can be uh, getting to appointments, personal appointments. And we've actually celebrated people's use of their wellness time on our Yammer page, you know, internally uh, and getting an opportunity to see what people are doing. And given the the realization that everyone has around how people have been working so hard through the pandemic, we've expanded those wellness days to be, you know, every other Friday in the uh, summer. Now, again, subject to, you know, there are certain or, uh, parts of the organization that may need to modify how they utilize that time. But, but at the end of the day, it's providing even more time for folks to um, stay well, ensure balance and health. We are all so excited about this approach. I bet. Well, thank you so much for talking to the Talent Economy today. It was great to see you and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Meredith. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights, hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.